Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. My name is Brooke McCallery and this is episode 66. <laughs> How you doing, Ben, and also you listening? Excellent. <laughs> really well, really It's good really to well. see I haven't outgrown my awkwardness. No. It's good though. Oh, it's great. Isn't it? It's really great. It's my favourite part of me. It's not true. <laughs> we've been we've seriously been doing this show. This is almost our one year anniversary. Oh really? Yes. Are we gonna are we doing the travel one as the one? I think so, yeah, yeah it's yeah. Quite pretty close to it. And I feel like I've probably got more awkward, so that's good. Yeah. hmm Uh but the awkward slow podcast. I actually just should have the awkward podcast or the awkward outtakes and it's just all of the deleted bits of me being a complete uh, moron. The vault for that is very full. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, a couple of weeks ago, I put out a call on Facebook to see if there were any listeners who lived in Calgary who would be interested in being interviewed for the show. And I didn't know what to expect. I did get a couple of people um, who, who kind of put their hand up, though, and I managed to get in touch with one of them, and we had them out to our place in Camel over the weekend. So I got to sit down with Morgan um, and talk to her about slow living and, uh, you know, her simple life and her journey. And, I, I mean, I guess the way I prefaced it on Facebook was I wanted to talk to people who weren't in the like the slow simple living niche like they yeah. don't they don't work in it they don't write books about it they don't you know go and do speaking tours about it and that mm-hmm. sort of thing uh, but and, they're passionate about but it but they're passionate about yeah. it and they've made changes in their life and yeah. are continuing to make changes in their life based on this kind of lifestyle and yeah. um, Morgan was one of the people who put her hand up man she was such a delight yeah, like, what just great people such like, cool people oh, like, it's lovely to travel halfway around the world and find people like that it's just Really nice. It is really nice. I mean, they came, yeah, came up. We got to meet her family, and you guys hung out at the park for a while. Yeah, the kids while, uh, um, had a run around at a, at a park nearby. A yeah. lovely discussion with Breck. So we we talked. Uh, it was uh, having listened to the podcast. Now we basically did an outside podcast. Really? So I should have I should have recorded you guys too. It would have been great if we, I recorded our discussion and then played it back and mixed it up. That would have been way too much work for a holiday. <laughs> And also probably a gross invasion of privacy if you didn't know that you're recording. Uh, no, 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 not obviously. <laughs> but no, I think I mean you came back and you said that there were so many similarities yeah. in our story, which was really it's really nice to just to have a have a different background to people, but realize that you have so many commonalities. And that's one of the things that I love about this slow living kind of space that we're in. You find so many people with you know, a like attitude to the things that matter. And there were many times in my conversation with Morgan where she was she was saying things that were incredibly wise. And I'm like, yeah, I need to write this down. Yeah, you've got it. You know, yeah. <laughs> she just nailed it. I mean, they've yeah. made changes to their lives that are big changes, big shifts that a lot of people can't or don't do. Yeah. And while I'm a huge advocate for small, slow changes – when I, when I see people who make these big shifts as well and they do it because it's in line with their values and, you know, their priorities, it just it's just inspiring. Uh, so I, I walked away really inspired by this conversation and it's just happy. F- it's the first conversation you've had on the podcast pog- where you're 
interviewing in person. Yeah. I think that's probably why I, <laughs> my awkwardness with, with a North American accent. Yes. and my awkwardness came to the fore. Um, I mean, I don't know if it no, felt like fine. if it sounded like that or not, but I always feel super awkward when I meet new people in in the flesh. Uh, but it it's was a great chat. It's yeah, a, oh, it was a wonderful cool. chat. I honestly, I genuinely had to cut it short because yeah. we we could have gone on for hours. Uh, but um, Morgan does have a blog and an Instagram account where she's started to write about her her you know her challenges and her projects in simple and slow living so you can find that at the simple life project.com and she's the simple life project on instagram but she is not like she's not someone who makes a living yeah. you know writing about this stuff so that's just something that has become a a passion of hers over the last few years i would definitely recommend you guys check it out because she's a really lovely warm writer and she takes beautiful photos as well like yourself very well art, you know, articulating very well articulating, articulating. <laughs> i don't know whether you're going to edit that out or not yeah. but that was beautiful um so i think we should get on with the pog past i think we should episode 66 yes uh you can also as always head over to yep. the blog for the episode notes at slowyourhome.com slash 66 next week's thursday later in the week podcast will be a travel podcast yes. so um, if you haven't already and you've got any questions you'd like to send through please do that because we will be recording it in 30 minutes <laughs> time oh yeah by the time this goes out uh yeah so please do send through your questions but um with that enjoy the podcast with morgan going good i'm so glad to be talking to you i'm so glad to be here <laughs> i was just saying before we hit record this is my first ever in-person interview that's not ben so <laughs> it's really nice <laughs> kind of different but nice yeah it's um uh, yeah you guys came out from calgary so it's mm-hmm. really really awesome that you could yeah. make it um, i'm thankful to come out here and make a day of it we should be spending more time in canmore actually it is so beautiful here yeah, it's, it is I, I we're fairly active at home but being here i I have to be doing mm-hmm. something. We're going hiking every day or going skiing every day um, because you just want to be outside. And the weather helps. Like, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. <laughs> I always feel like in spring in Calgary and in this area, people just come alive and yeah. there's just a look of joy on people's faces. Like, we made it. Exactly. We made it through the winter. So everyone looks like they're kind <laughs> yeah. of like blooming as you, as you watch <laughs> <Absolutely>. them. <laughs> it's, a, like, it's, it's something else. I think maybe at home we're probably spoiled because mm-hmm. it's always kind of pleasant. Mm-hmm. But even in the winter, we're like, oh, it's too cold. It's mm-hmm. like it's 15 degrees. <laughs> it's we fine. were in our backyard the other day and Hunter, my son, noticed that the leaves were blooming on one of our trees and they'd been budding, but now they're starting to unfold yeah. within the buds. He was like, Mom, look, they're blooming. We made it. <laughs> and he hugged me. It was this big, Aww. joyful moment. But truly, it is a long winter, and it's usually longer than this, usually about six months of cold weather and anticipating snow. So to have this gorgeous weather, it's just good timing for you guys. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I feel like we've got the best it. of both worlds. Absolutely. We've got snow on the mountains and mm-hmm. spring in town. It's just, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so thank you, Canada. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I put a call out on Facebook um, like a couple of weeks ago asking if anyone 
this this sounds offensive, I realise, but like a normal person <laughs> um, would be interested in being interviewed because I've done one um, and I've got a few lined up for when we get home. But it would, I thought it would be a really good opportunity to meet with some people and you put your hand up. So thank you. Um, so tell me a little bit about you, like about yourself. Okay. Um, well, now I feel like after listening to the Joshua Fields Melbourne one that I'm supposed to talk about what I'm passionate about, not what I do. But I'm Actually, lucky. Yeah. I'm lucky that what I'm passionate about is what I do. I'm a teacher librarian in a grades one to twelve school, and I get to buy books and read books and talk about books and think about books at my job. And I just feel so lucky that that's my job. Honestly, um, that I get paid to do that is pretty amazing. And I've worked there for about 10 years and I'm a mom I have two kids Hunter and Scarlett they're age six and three and I'm married to my childhood sweetheart (laughs) from elementary school so a unique story with my husband that we've known each other since we were very small and we've uh, started dating when we were 14 years old so we're kind of one of those weird (laughs) couples that has been together an obscenely long time for how old we are but um, I feel really lucky to have found such a great person when I was young and um, we live in Calgary and not too far from where we grew up actually yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's not it's so like I was saying to you guys when you first came yeah. over it's quite similar to Ben and I we were yeah. just a little bit older when we first started seeing each other but um, we've known each other for a long mm-hmm. time uh, yeah and people are like how long have you guys been together I'm like 17 years or something right and how old are you <laughs> yes yeah, so I was 18 mm-hmm. um, okay so one of the like, one of the reasons that I really wanted to talk to you was I mean you've spoken a little bit to me about how you guys have made changes over time towards living a simpler Mm -hmm. kind of slower life um but you have gone into it you've really you've really dove into it like you've sold your you sold your house and you moved and you made all these decisions and massive changes based on your values Mm -hmm. and I love that I find that really inspiring because people you know, and it's fine because we've been through the same process where we talk about things and make small changes and over time they add up to enormous changes. But often we or we get scared about making these big life changes mm-hmm. and you guys did. So can you tell me a bit about what you did a couple of years ago and why and how sure. that all came about, came about? Well, I'd been reading blogs about simplicity for a while. I found you through Simple Mom, through your writing on Simple Mom, which is oh, now wow. the art of simple. Yeah. And that's how I found your blog. And I'd been reading Becoming Minimalist for a while. And uh, he's still one of my favorite people on Facebook to follow. I just love the little quotes that he puts out there. Yeah. It's a nice, refreshing blip on my screen when I'm scrolling through Facebook. But um, as our kids grew, and they were still quite young at that time, we just really started thinking about what we valued and what we believed in and what kind of a childhood we wanted to give our kids. Mm. And at the time, we lived in a brand new neighborhood on the outskirts of Calgary. And we had this brand new, perfect house with all of the um, finishings that we had chosen ourselves. So, you know, beautiful, gleaming hardwood floors and a brand new kitchen and everything was was lovely. And we really did love living there. Um, my husband's brother and sister actually lived um, one street over and on the same street as us. So we had this mini community within this new community and it really worked well for us for the first few years of living there but as our kids got a little bit older and we started to want to take them outside into natural areas more and I really loved being able to walk places when Mm -hmm. I was a child Um, I just realized that that community really couldn't give us that and um, my husband's brother 
moved out, they bought an older house in an older neighborhood, funnily enough, right behind the house that they grew up in. Oh, wow. (laughs) And um, so that was really neat to see them make that transition into an older neighborhood and one that we were so fond of as well. So we decided that um, we wanted to make a change too. We didn't want to live in this brand new house forever. The culture around that too felt kind of... um, we have this brand new house. You have to fill it with brand mm-hmm. new nice furniture and it should be decorated like a show home. And um, there was this real mentality of stuff. And I definitely, I've always, at that time, I really liked to go shopping and, you know, buy new things for my house and change the decor with the seasons. Yeah. And I had all of these buckets and bins of things. And we were always getting into fights about our basement because our basement was filled with all of these buckets and bins of things that we were keeping You know, sometimes it was seasonal clothing or seasonal decor or I don't even remember, but it was just, we had an unfinished basement and it was just a constant source of (laughs) angst for us. We didn't have a garage there, so that meant that a lot of things lived in our basement too, but um, there was just this building feeling of this isn't where we want to raise our kids. Um, So... We decided to sell our house. My husband's parents are both realtors, so they were over one day and... They said, you know, this might be a good time to sell because we were waiting. The market was kind of not that great for mm-hmm. a few years. So we decided we were going to sell. And so immediately we started taking things apart on our main floor. We had a really open main floor, but just gradually things make their way in. The kids' toys were there and we just started taking things apart. So we took apart this big, one of those big Ikea bookshelves and um, everything just had to be packed away. All the books that were on that bookshelf, um, we had to decide which toys from the toy boxes that were stuck in the little bins would stay on that floor because we had a little, tiny little storage ottoman. So only what could fit in there stayed there. And I can't remember what else we took out of that space, but quite a few things. Mm. We went through our basement with... The basement this, of doom. The basement of doom <laughs> for one last time because I, you've talked a lot about how it takes so many sweeps through an area until you finally get to a place where you feel like you've minimized to just what you need. And so we went down there and we got rid of a lot of stuff. We gave away a lot because now we had this goal in mind that we're going to move to a new house and we need to stage our house to sell. We need to make it look like we're not big junk hoarders. And that we have loads of space in this house. This is what it's always like. (laughs) We have plenty of storage for everything we need. So we went through every area. I went through every area of the house and I took out all the mugs that we weren't using and the seasonal clothing that we weren't wearing, um, the toys that we didn't need. I went through the kids' books, which is hard for me. Um, But just got everything down to a manageable amount that we could be happy with but that we could stage our house and it would be ready for people mm-hmm. to walk through and see if they wanted to buy it. So anyone who's ever sold their house um, that I've known has always said it's just this absolute hell, <laughs> especially with little kids. Yeah. I think um, Hunter was three or four at the time and Scarlett was one. Oh, so they were tough. at prime destruction yes. time <laughs> in terms of their ages. Um, but the worst they could do was dump out the toys that were in this ottoman, which wasn't very many. So if we had a showing, I could quickly put them back. I could quickly sweep the floors because there was really not that much that could get messy. And I got into this really good routine of just cleaning as we went and tidying as we went. And so my house was always 
clean. Mm. And it was very tidy. And I was only looking at just a very minimal amount of things. And I was so happy. Isn't that interesting? I just loved it. Yeah. It did not bother me at all that I had to keep my house clean. It didn't bother me at all that I didn't have all my stuff. I just felt good. Yeah. I felt really good. And I thought, oh man, why didn't we always live this way? I didn't miss anything. And so we'd put all of our stuff that we thought we would keep into storage at my parent, um, my in-laws garage. And so when our house sold, we moved in with them because we hadn't found another house yet. We sold around the winter time, which is not the ideal time to buy. We thought maybe we would find some really random um, house that would come up for sale and we'd be able to nab it because there wouldn't be very many people in the market. And we'd actually put out letters in the community where we grew up in saying, you know, this is our names and we grew up here and we just really want our kids to grow up here too. And if you're interested in selling your house, will you call us and let us know? And we actually had a lot of people call us about that, but we didn't find anything that really fit our needs or or maybe they weren't ready to sell. But that was kind of an interesting process to do that. So we moved in with my in-laws with just the clothes we needed, a few books, a few toys for the kids. And what we thought was going to be a very brief stay ended up being six months until we found our house. And it was wonderful. They are wonderful people and they had, they wake really early. And so they had a little breakfast sandwich ready for us every day and lunches and coffees. And it was honestly a joy to live with them, especially with little kids because they wake up really early. And so grandma and grandpa were already awake and they were able to play with them so that we could have a bit of a sleep in. So after a while, we didn't really want to leave. And we really understood why people live in a multi-generational setting. It just made so much sense that we were able to go off to work and for a time they were taking care of the kids while we were at work and then they ended up going to a day home after a time. But um, we just really liked, we liked living there and we really liked living with even less again. So we were living with less while we were selling our house and then we were living with less again while we were with them. Of course, we had markets of their house, but we were just living tends to start to pick up around the spring because people want to buy something and be in before their kids start school in September. So I just anticipated that, okay, we'll find a house in March, April. Something will come up and it'll be the perfect house and we'll buy it. And um, nothing was coming up. So I was starting to feel a little bit hopeless. And we started to think about other alternatives, like maybe we'd rent something or maybe we would look at an overseas teaching position for me and we could use this time to just live somewhere else for mm-hmm. a while. So we looked at those things and... But ultimately, we decided our kids are really young. If I'm going to do an overseas teaching position, I think I want to wait till the kids are a bit older where sure. they can attend the school if if we ever do that. But it would be kind of a fun thing to do. So we decided, we know we do want to live in Calgary and we're just going to be patient. Something will come up. So um, in May, under three feet of snow, <laughs> we had gone to go look at this bungalow that was just terrible. It had an old couch in the backyard and this tiny little yard. And every single room was covered in hideous wallpaper and nothing that I couldn't have lived with if it was on a beautiful street and had the right yard and had the right sort of neighbors but it wasn't a nice street and it wasn't a nice yard and it didn't look like nice neighbors and I was starting to feel really hopeless like we are not going to find a house and um then we we found oh before that happened I had seen this quote oh home is any four walls that enclose the people you love or something like that. I'd seen it on Pinterest and 
I made my own print of it. Like I bought these little stamps and I made my own print of it because it was really expensive. I'm sorry to the artist that I copied you, <laughs> but I didn't have $160 to spend on this print at the time. So I made my own and I put it in a frame and I put it on the dresser we were staying at um, my in-laws house. And I just came to this realization that, you know what, whatever we find, whatever we decide, we're together and that's all that matters. My home is not this building that I live in, but it's the people that I share with. Yeah. And um, so we'd seen this really terrible bungalow and then we got pinged on our cell phones that there was a new listing in a different neighborhood that we actually hadn't really considered because it was a bit out of our price range that a house had become available. And I said, well, I want to go see this house. And so we made an appointment and we were there first thing the next morning with the three feet of snow in May, which was a really random thing. But so Canadian. I think <laughs> it is so Canadian. I think the snow kept people away because there was nobody else, you know, right. waiting to get into the house. So we went through and I just instantly connected with this house. Um, it just really felt like, well, first of all, it felt like way too good to be true. It was, yeah. um, it had everything that we'd imagined in our minds that we would want. We really wanted coming from a brand new community with no squirrels and no birds and no trees. We wanted a backyard that had trees mm -hmm. and hopefully a significant number of trees. And we have, I don't know, maybe eight trees in our okay. backyard. And we wanted a cul-de-sac if we could so that our kids could ride bikes yeah. in their cul-de-sac and, and not be on a busy road and had that. We wanted nice neighbors and we knocked on the door of the neighbor next door and he was so generous and kind to us it was early in the morning and and he said oh yeah you know people have lived here for 30 years and there's a few new families here and I think you really like it here and um as we walked through the house it just felt like a place that we could call mm -hmm. home and um it's also right beside Fish Creek Park which is one of the most beautiful I think it's I maybe I should look up this statistic before we put it on the podcast <laughs> but I think it's the biggest park within an urban city in North America. Wow. Wow. I could be okay. wrong. Central Park may be bigger, yeah. but it's very big. Okay. And um, it stretches through the south of Calgary, but the area where we are is very, feels like you're in the mountains. Like okay. I can run from my house in five minutes and be down in this valley with a creek and all these big spruce trees and deer and owls and all sorts of wildlife. Yeah. Um, and that was really, really important to us. When we lived in the new community, we were driving half an hour to visit this park. And then we would drive home and we would think, why do we live here? You know, <laughs> we need to live in a house no matter how small it is. And no matter how, you know, it's not going to have brand new hardwood floors and it's not going to have this beautiful exterior and interior yeah. that this new house that we own has but it, we're going to be able to take our kids into this natural area every day and not have to feel like it's this big excursion mm. to drive somewhere to take a walk in nature. So um, we were just shocked that we were able to um, yeah. make an offer on the house and that they accepted it. And when we moved in in July, there's no back alley mm -hmm. in, in behind our backyard. So, um, I knew that it was a beautiful garden because I could just tell a little bit by the landscaping, but I didn't know what was going to be growing because when we saw the house, it was under a foot of snow and you could see a few buds the next week when we went for the home inspection, but I didn't know what any of them were. When we walked in in July, it was just all in bloom. It's full of peonies and irises and lily of the valley and all oh, these wow. vines. And um, it's 30 years of somebody else's work 
to make this beautiful garden. And I just was so, I was so emotional seeing it that we get to enjoy this. And really every day when we look out our backyard, we see all the things that we value. We have little swings in the tree, which I always wanted as a kid. And I could have had, cause I had big trees in my backyard, but for some reason my parents didn't do that for me. But, um, we see birds. We have this big bird poster, which was the first thing I bought for my house so that we can identify the birds that we see. And it's a really beautiful little poster, but we're constantly looking and I think that's a flicker. No, I'm pretty sure it's, you know, something else. And the kids are really into that. They like to make voices for the squirrels, like what they're saying. <laughs> like, hey, I think I see some peanuts over there. How are we going to climb up that pole to get to the peanuts? Because we put out peanuts for blue jays, but the squirrels always come in right. and take them away. But... um yeah, when we when I look at that house, it just really embodies everything that we value. And to make that move, it did feel like a big deal at the time for us to leave. We left some equity in our first house because yeah. we bought during a boom and we sold during a really low time. But it was worth it for us to move into a place that better aligned with our values and our new house needs renovations yeah. and I know I've had people come over and well when are you going to do in the kitchen or when are you going to do new floors and maybe, maybe never maybe, I don't yeah. know yeah exactly. we're just so happy with where we are and um and just that feeling of contentment and gratitude with what you have right now yeah. and not thinking about well I'll be happy when, when. I have a new kitchen I'll yeah. be happy when I am able to you know, change the windows or I'll yeah. be happy when I'm just happy now in yeah. this house as it is. And if we had to leave it like that for the next 20 years, I'd still be, still happy. be happy. But that's wonderful. I mean, most people go through their entire life and never feel that, mm-hmm. you know, they're always thinking about the next thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the secret is those things, like they never stop. You right. say, I'll be happy when I get a new kitchen. Mm-hmm. Now I'll be happy when we redo the floors. Now right. I'll be happy when we go on a holiday. Like, right. There is no... I mean, there there are certain things that you need mm-hmm. for, you know, safety and mm-hmm. contentment and stuff in life. But beyond that, that mm-hmm. it just keeps going. And that was the trap we fell into as well. It's just, I'll be happy when. No, just be happy now, mm-hmm. you know. And it's okay to like to work for things mm-hmm. and all that. But, um, I mean, just to hear you talk about that and see the smile on your face <laughs> when you – it's, it's amazing what happens when – you start to pay attention to your values and ask mm-hmm. yourself those questions like what's important, what are our priorities, and then like, not only identify them but then act on them, mm-hmm. you know, and make the difficult decisions and be willing to wait for the, for the mm-hmm. right thing, you know. And I think that takes the, in my experience anyway, when things are aligned like that with your values, it takes the stress out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean – it can still be stressful or trying or challenging, but it takes the angst out of mm-hmm. it, you know, and things kind of unfold in a, a much more natural mm-hmm. way um, in our experience. So I find I find that just really wonderful to hear that you guys mm-hmm. had done that and were willing to, to wait and were willing to relax into it mm-hmm. and let the process be what it is. Um, and it's really interesting to go back to what you were talking about before it's so funny that we don't live like we're staging our house to sell all the time. Yes. <laughs> like that's a, that's, that to me is fascinating because everyone enjoys it yeah. when you clear out 50% of your stuff mm-hmm. and you don't use the stuff that's sitting in the garage. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's amazing. And then traveling or living with in-laws, you realize just how little mm-hmm. of your stuff you actually use. Do, is there anything at all that you miss 
of all the things that you got rid of or let go of. No, I was looking through some pictures the other day of our old house and I noticed a few pieces of furniture that we'd gotten rid of and um, a light fixture that we'd left behind that I did really like. And I think it would look really neat in Scarlet's room now, but it went with the house and I didn't even remember that we had it until I saw it in the picture. And so when we moved in, it was interesting to unpack all those boxes that we'd put in storage. And a lot of them just went right to the garage sale pile which was a nightmare. Yeah, I was going to say. We should, have, <laughs> we should have just given it away. We had the garage sale and it was good for meeting the neighbors, but then we immediately carted everything to Goodwill after because I did not want to see it again. I think that's the only way to yeah. make it work, You have honestly. to do it that way. Yeah. And you have to not be in it to make any money. Yes. You have to know that people are going to haggle and you have to be in it really to get things out yeah. of your house. I always find it interesting garage selling when you go and it, they want to operate like a retail store. <laughs> they want to sell things for, you know, $5 less than what they paid for it. I just don't even go to garage sales anymore because it's too, it's too tempting. It's shopping for what I don't know that yes. I want. Yes, until you and, see it. Yeah, and I don't shop like that anymore. I really, moving out of the newer neighborhood really got us away from these mm. larger shopping centers too where I would go and get groceries when I lived in our newer neighborhood. And I'd also be surrounded by, you know, home decor store and a clothing store and all these different things. So I'd go in and I'd buy a few things. And um, now we can, we rode our bikes to the grocery store the other day because it's just a few steps from our house. Riding bikes with two children always takes a lot longer than you think it's going (laughs) to take. (laughs) But um, just to be able to walk to the grocery store or bike to the grocery store and it's just a grocery store yeah. there's a little french bakery also that gets well, me nice. a lot of the time <laughs> but there's no big clothing store that i'm going to be tempted by and nobody on our street um has you know a brand new renovated house with all brand new furniture whereas in our newer neighborhood it was it was just a different mm-hmm. look it if you look at a show home and then you buy a brand new house, you kind of want your house to look like the show yes. home. But in an older neighborhood, I just feel like we're with a just a different group of people. Most of the people around us are retired. Right. And so they have the nice things, actually. <laughs> Some of the nice <laughs> things because they've worked a long time for it. But the younger families that live close to us just they do sort of embody a more simpler mm. way of living. And I feel like we've found our tribe a little bit being in an older neighborhood. And and I think, does it take the pressure off too? It does take the pressure off. Yeah, a lot mm. actually. Yeah, I just think there's so many more things going on in an older neighborhood. You see kids walking to school yeah. and I was running in uh, Fish Creek Park last night and there was all sorts of people down there having picnics and having a fire and um, or just walking their dogs and enjoying dusk Mm -hmm. and then there's the deer and all the things and I just pinch myself every time I go down there thinking I can come here anytime and I can be here on foot in five or ten minutes and that to me is worth a million dollars I mean I thankfully we didn't have to pay a million dollars for a house there's some really beautiful houses that overlook the park that are many millions of dollars but I don't know that I'd even trade my house for one yeah, of those you were saying you were yeah. saying you're like if someone offered me our old house in our old <laughs> yeah. neighborhood I don't think I would no, take it now no or even if someone offered me one of these million dollar mm. houses these gigantic houses that overlook the park I don't know if I would if I would take it I I just feel really content and I think the biggest thing that we've learned over this whole journey is just contentment yeah. and 
being grateful for what we have and for what's in front of us, even when I was living with my in-laws, to be content and grateful that we have this experience of being able to give our kids time with their grandparents and to have just freed up time as a family that, you know, we didn't always have to do all the groceries. Mm -hmm. We weren't doing all of the cleaning just ourselves. We were helping out and um, it it was a treat really to do that. I think it's such a wonderful, wonderful perspective though, because so many people would look at that situation as um, a difficulty or Mm -hmm. a challenge or something to kind of just get through because it's really hard. And Mm -hmm. um, I think to have that perspective of gratitude and just enjoying Mm -hmm. it is what it is Mm -hmm. for it, for it is um, I think it's amazing. And to be able to kind of articulate that and take it Mm -hmm. and move through life with Mm -hmm. that is, is wonderful. Um, so, I can't say that I didn't have my moment. Oh, of, well, of course. <laughs> but in general. But in general. I mean, and most, really I, I know a lot of people would see it in the exact opposite way, mm-hmm. like the occasional perk, but generally something to kind of begrudge, <laughs> whereas you see yeah. it the opposite, you yeah. know, the opposite ratio. Um, so do you feel like you've arrived at, you know, the destination of a simpler, slower life? Or are you working towards things still? Or I think we're definitely still working towards things. Um, when I was looking through the questions, I was looking at, uh, a bunch of books that I've read over the past um, few years about simplifying. And I found this one, I think was the first book that I ever read about simplifying. Unclutter your life in one week. <laughs> <laughs> you can see why I was attracted to that book. So I like the promise that it makes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Monday morning is purge your wardrobe. Right. Sure. Because we all have time to do that on a Monday morning. <laughs> but it's actually a really great book with some really good yeah. processes in it. And it's by Erin Rooney Doland, who Just is the editor of Unclutterer. Yeah. yeah. And um, I had this feeling for after reading this book that I could unclutter my life in one week and um, arrive. But I really don't think that you ever arrive. Mm. Um, there's always something that I feel like I'm doing well and something that I feel like I could do better at. Mm-hmm. Um, even just the clutter that arrives day to day, my son plays hockey and they, they come home with these loot bags from their hockey tournaments or birthday parties. And, you know, there's always things coming in and things that need to go out. And we're always working on that. I think I've, I don't know that I've arrived with the stuff, but when everything's sort of put back in their home at the end of the day in my house, I feel really content with yeah. what we're living with and I feel really really good about the way that we've designed our life inside of our house mm-hmm. um but I always think that there's a little bit more work to be done just to you know I could go through things one more time but the things aren't really what I'm focusing on nowadays I think I'm more focusing on simplifying other areas of our life like simplifying for me, I've been working a lot with meditation and mindfulness and practicing presence, and that's simplifying my inner life. Mm-hmm. And that's a big work. It's a big amount of work. It's massive. And yeah. I love reading books about that. I love listening to podcasts about that. I've been um, practicing yoga nidra, which is a, a way of meditating in the yoga tradition with a really good friend of mine for the past year and a half. And that's been a big... Um, just a really amazing way to practice self-care. Basically, you lie in Shavasana for an hour oh, wow. and she guides you through a meditation. And you're you're in that state kind of right before you fall asleep where you feel like a little bit like you're sleeping, but you also feel like 
you're still alert. Mm -hmm. I think she said that your body sort of goes to sleep, but your mind is still awake. So it's incredibly relaxing. And at the end of an hour, it's like you've had four hours of sleep. So I only wish that I would have discovered it when I was a new mom. Yes. And not (laughs) sleeping at all. But um, taking that time out for myself once a week for an hour and going to that class um, has been a big aha moment for Mm -hmm. me that I need to take care of myself and I need to practice self-care. And I've always viewed self-care in the past as, well, every once in a while, I go a little bit crazy and my husband's like, you need to go have a pedicure or you need to go take yourself shopping. And I always had these ways of doing self-care that they they weren't caring for the more inner parts mm-hmm. of me. They were more exterior and, and not that there's anything wrong with going to the bookshop and, you know, buying books as yeah. a way to <laughs> self-care or, you know, maybe I do need to go and buy some new clothing, but I tend not to shop now until I have a list of things going um but practicing self-care and and getting into that state of presence over productivity mm. that's kind of been oh, my, I like that yeah I really that's like that's been something that I've been working on which is an interesting challenge because my husband just started his own business last yes. year so productivity is important but we're learning to balance that with practicing presence with each other and with our kids and it's not easy no um, no it's definitely not easy just having that as a goal in mind or yeah. as a value in mind is helping us to navigate and some days are better than others. Mm-hmm. Today's going to be a good day for that because we're in the mountains and it's pretty hard to think about work when you're out here. But um, yeah, I don't know that I'll ever feel like I arrived, but I do feel like I'm very different mm. than um, how I used to operate. I mean, I don't, I don't buy magazines anymore and I don't think, okay, well, I need this new thing in my wardrobe or I need to buy this new kind of makeup because I'm not exposing myself to that kind of messaging anymore. Um, I think that's actually a really big point. I used to read fashion magazines um, and I wouldn't buy, like I would buy fashion magazines. I wouldn't buy gossip magazines, but if I was at the hairdresser or the doctor or something Mm -hmm. like that, I would read them. And my my mind changed when I read them. Mm-hmm. And some suddenly I, I didn't realize I needed a new pair of jeans. <laughs> yeah. I, but now I need a new pair of jeans because I'm horribly out of date, you know, and right. I, I wasn't aware of that and right. I didn't care about it five minutes ago, but now I need a new thing. And I think that the things that we expose ourselves to media-wise, um, mm-hmm. you know, even websites that we read and things like that, they, can, they have a, an incredible power to change our behavior and our thought. And while being aware of it is helpful I think just limiting our exposure to it is even mm-hmm. more helpful because mm-hmm. there's turns out there's a lot of other things we could do with our time right. rather than reading about how ugly our wardrobe is right. or how you know how terribly out of date my hairstyle is right. you know and I was quite happy with it five minutes ago so I think that's that's a really big point that mm-hmm. we don't we don't always think about um until you know maybe later and I, I I'm interested to, that you kind of started in a similar way to us in that we tackled our stuff first mm-hmm. when we were simplifying because there's a whole host of inner turmoil that I couldn't deal with at all. Um, and then from there you kind of start to shift into looking at maybe self-care or being present or learning mindfulness. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to me because some people come at it from the exact mm-hmm. opposite. You know, they start meditation and they think, well, I'm, you know, I'm building this inner calm and this inner simplicity and my house is a shambles. So it kind of spreads out from the opposite right. direction. But I just find it really interesting to see which side of it people come from mm-hmm. and where they end up and what sort of 
things begin to become more important as mm-hmm. you start to think through the way we're living. Yeah, moving into capsule wardrobes has been a really interesting yeah. shift for us. Um, I've always really liked getting dressed and dressing up. And um, when I worked full time, I had a lot more opportunities to do that. And I had this whole room before we had Hunter that was just my clothes because we had a three bedroom house and we didn't have any kids yet. So I just took over this one room for a wardrobe. And it's embarrassing to think about now, honestly, (laughs) that I had this whole bookshelf of shoes and all of these clothes. And I really, um, I spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, what was the next thing I was going to buy? And I very rarely go to the mall now unless mm-hmm. kind of at the beginning of each season for a whole family we'll identify what we need and we'll go with a list and go shopping and my daughter really likes dresses and she you know She's kids so just cute. they just wear their emotions on the outside so every time we go into a store and I really try and shop without her because she's really tough she wants to try on you know we go through uh, a fancy store like Nordstrom and she wants to put on all of the Louboutin shoes <laughs> like $600 no just leave them alone but she'll go into a store like H&M or something and um we'll be looking for something for her like a dress or something and she'll just she just starts peeling off her clothes I don't like this dress anymore (laughs) and you know how you go into a store or a mall and you don't know that you don't like your clothes until you see what else is out there yeah so she just wears that so on the outside she just starts taking them off and wanting to put something new on I don't like this dress anymore I need to have this dress (laughs) and sometimes it ends up working in her favor but I just when she did that one day, I was like, wow, that is exactly how I feel yeah. when I go into she's a mall just not, She's store. not filtering it at all. <laughs> she has no filter. <laughs> she just peels it right off. You know, the dress that she was so excited to wear first thing in the morning, and it's her favorite dress all of a sudden. Nope, don't like it anymore. Yeah. I'm done with this one. But the capsule wardrobes has been really interesting. And my big catalyst for that was being pregnant with my second. I, I had a few clothes that I had worn in my previous pregnancy and there was a few things I I knew I wanted to splurge on because working in a professional environment sometimes it's hard to find appropriate maternity clothes so I bought a few things that cost a little bit more money but I decided I'm going to have less clothes but I'm going to buy some better quality Mm -hmm. stuff this time and I think I should look back through my bin of maternity clothes which I haven't been able to let go of yet um but I think I was working with about 10 or 11 items, but I loved them all. I loved the pants. Mm-hmm. I loved the dresses I had at a really nice blazer. And I wore those toward the end of your pregnancy where you really can only wear maternity pro clothes, which actually for your second is more most, most of, of the it. pregnancy. <laughs> but I felt so good and I loved it. And I loved how in the morning I didn't agonize about what to wear. Mm. These are your options. You like all of them. You look good in all of them. Add a scarf, add a necklace and go out the door. Yeah. And I just felt so good during that pregnancy. I loved my clothing. And so slowly I've been working myself into that mentality in my own wardrobe. And with kids, it's so much easier to just have a small capsule wardrobe. And I have to do laundry a little bit more often, but they tend to always want to wear the same things anyways. Um, And they create their own uniform. Um, Scarlett likes to wear a dress and leggings every day so I just have a bunch of dresses and a bunch of leggings and you know one fancy dress to wear at Christmas or Easter and that's it Mm -hmm. um and then outdoor clothes which you need to layer up in yeah so we go good outdoor clothes for that but um the capsule wardrobe thing has been huge for me Mm. because um I don't feel like I need to go shopping all the time anymore I have I have what I have and I like what I have and I know that it's the next season I'll be able to 
grab a few more things, but I've identified so much more what I feel good in and I don't care so much anymore about what other people are wearing or yeah. what's what's in style, what I should be wearing. And the funny thing is that nobody notices no. that you're wearing the same things all the time. No. If anything, I get compliments. Oh, you look really nice today. And I think, oh, well, I just wore the same outfit last <laughs> week. But maybe they're being facetious. But I think when someone is comfortable in what they're wearing, they just look good exactly. because they're comfortable. Yeah, and they're and, confident. They feel yeah. like they look, they're wearing something new. Yeah. And it just, you, I don't think you realize how much brain real estate mm-hmm. those kind of decisions are taking up until you just remove it mm-hmm. until you you just have everything there i like i can wear any mm-hmm. of it i'll be fine um and you just don't worry about it and time shopping i, yes. I used to spend a yeah. lot of time shopping and talking myself into something and then returning it and then mm-hmm. you know putting it on and thinking oh i don't really like this or not today i have to try it with something else and yeah. oh it was a lot of Time and brain real estate. That's totally right. Yeah. And it's, I was saying to Ben just last night, I mean, we packed fairly light for this trip, but I still, I brought things along that I'm like, well, you know, maybe I won't do as much laundry or whatever. Mm-hmm. I've worn the same things, mm-hmm. you know, probably the same five outfits. Mm-hmm. Um, and while we didn't overpack, I could certainly have cut down. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make a list <laughs> of everything that we actually used while we're away. It's just going to be really interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, you get by on so much less than you think you need. Mm-hmm. And when it's something, that it's things that you like, mm-hmm. then it, it just, it's a no brainer. It yeah. really is. So I love the idea of capsule like wardrobes and then applying that to other things as mm-hmm. well. That's really cool. Have you, um, have you made any other like, big shifts like that? Oh yeah. I was just looking, I made notes because I'm such a librarian, but <laughs> I just needed to remember because I feel like in every area of our life, we've had almost little experiments. So the house thing was a really big shift yes. into living in a way that expressed our values. And, um, our big moment with that was just realizing that an imperfect house was better in the right location than a beautiful house in the wrong location yeah. for us. And um, then the the cap- moving into capsule wardrobes through the experiment of being pregnant and having a small maternity wardrobe, a big thing for us was paying off of our debt. Mm-hmm. And that was when we were living in our older house, we finally paid off all my student loans and a line of credit that we'd had. And we had a party. We literally had a party. We had a cake. <laughs> and we awesome. were so excited to not be thinking about that anymore. And that was a huge weight. And then to move from moving money onto debt every month to moving money into savings mm-hmm. accounts for things that we cared about was just a huge shift for us. Yeah. And um, I did a lot of reading about you know different ways to manage your money. And at the end of the day, we've just... Um, we just intend to never be in debt again. Mm-hmm. We, When we bought a new vehicle, we bought it with money that we'd saved up. Yeah. And we always buy older vehicles anyway. So um, anything that we need, hopefully we've saved in advance. And so kind of identifying your needs before you know what you're going to mm-hmm. need and being more mindful of our money. And so that's been a huge thing because that was a big, it was just a big weight on our shoulders. Absolutely. So, um the joy in seeing money grow rather than looking and like having this feeling in the pit of your stomach that you know, owe this money. And it never goes away. That feeling yeah. until the, until the debt is paid off, yeah. that feeling does not go away. Yeah. And you don't, again, you don't realize until, until it's, it's gone. gone. We yeah. were just so happy. That was a really big, that was a really big moment for us. Um, 
And then, yeah, the self-care with mindfulness. Um, a big thing uh, for me in the past few years is reading Brene Brown work. Mm-hmm. I just think that she's the most amazing person. Yeah. And um, reading The Gifts of Imperfection and Daring Greatly and Rising Strong has been really great in simplifying, I guess, my own feelings towards myself. Mm. I am definitely have been an, a perfectionist in my life and been... Gretchen Rubin would call me an obliger, like definitely wondering, you know, what do people think? And am I, am I doing what people need me to do? Yeah. And um, moving away from that and into being comfortable with what I want mm-hmm. and who I am and that feeling of I am enough. And also, no matter what happens in a day, no matter what mistakes you make, that you go to bed she has this whole line. I should have it memorized because I've read it lots of times. But just that no matter what happens in a day, you go to bed and you feel like I am enough. Yeah. And as a mom, I just used to spend most nights like you go and kiss your sleeping angels goodnight after they've driven you crazy <laughs> all day. And then you run through your mind this little film reel of all of the moments during the day that you feel you failed as a mm-hmm. mom well I yelled at them and then I you know I didn't take them to the park and I told them I was going to take them to yep. the park and then I spent you know more time doing whatever cleaning or doing work and I, I didn't spend as much time with them as I wanted to and why didn't I take them to the library or you know I didn't many things yeah. there could be a whole list of things and I used to just go to bed especially when my first was young and I, that was just I think a new mom syndrome that I don't know that you can ever warn someone about that you're going to second guess every last thing that you do. Should I let them cry? Should I not let them cry? Should I do this or do that? And I just spent so much time just being so hard on myself Mm -hmm. and it was so unhealthy. And it just, that feeling of not enough in your own self just trickles out to everything in your life. Everything. Absolutely. And, um, and that's where I found you know, I would use shopping to numb that and mm-hmm. all of those numbing things um, or consuming in different ways. I'd consume media. I'd spend a lot of time maybe on my computer because I don't think phones were even invented when Hunter was a baby. <laughs> Not yet anyways. It was very close. Um, or reading magazines or I would just try and consume. But then that just feeds that not enough mm-hmm. feeling even more. And to break out of that, and I, I still have moments where I feel like I failed my kids, but I'm so much kinder to myself. And I think she talks about speaking to yourself like you would someone you love. Mm. You know, what would I say to my best friend if she came and said, you know, I yelled at my kids today and I just feel awful about it. I mean, you'd say, yeah, you know, you had a rough day and your kids were being banshees and (laughs) they drove you a little bit crazy. And, you know, you apologized to them and you gave them a hug and you, um, you talked about taking, oh, this is what I always do. I talk about, wow, I should have taken my deep breaths or use the calm yes. down jar and all these things, all these tools that I want them to use. But I don't think that it's bad for them to see me every once in a while get mad mm-hmm. and make a mistake and not use my right strategies for yeah. um, calming myself down when I'm feeling a difficult emotion. Because then they can see you cope with that mm-hmm. and how you come back from that. Right. And you can come back because I think otherwise if they don't see it, then they have this skewed like vision of right. what it is to be an adult and you never make a mistake and, right. you know, constantly making mm-hmm. mistakes. Um, and to be comfortable with making a mistake. Exactly. That there's nothing wrong with making a mistake if and you can make back, your amends right. in the right way. Yeah. And that's a big thing with my, with little kids is teaching them how to make amends and that story isn't just a word. It's, 
it's an action mm-hmm. and how are you going to make that person feel better? And, um, but yeah, speaking to myself as I would someone I love is a really, is a really big thing. And I think that's what led me into mindfulness. Right. And it's a, it's a different element of slowing down mm-hmm. and getting, you know, intentional, I mm-hmm. think. And it's so important. I mean, yes. I was, you were talking about laying in bed and playing this film clip of the day <laughs> yeah. and everywhere that you screwed up. Like that was me for years yes. and years and years yes. and years. And, and it's partly like learning to, to be okay with the fact that you mess up like, mm-hmm. and partly also, um, you know, being able to, to look at things from not a, like a, tiny moment-to-moment perspective mm-hmm. but rather over a period of a month or right. or six months and ask is is it really that bad like am mm-hmm. I doing that all the time or was today just mm-hmm. a rough day or was like this just the moment that you know I didn't deliver <laughs> right. the way I should have but over six months or a year is is life okay mm-hmm. and I think that helps as well it just takes the 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 sting out of those days because everyone has mm-hmm. really bad days and makes choices that they regret mm-hmm. in terms of that sort of stuff. So um, I think that's a whole other element to living this kind of life mm-hmm. that that often we don't talk about because it's often about the stuff or mm-hmm. you know mind, mindfulness and things like that. So I think that's really well. Now interesting. when I lay in bed before I go to bed, I try and think of a few moments that I'm grateful mm-hmm. for, and they're almost always things to do with family or kids and. Sometimes it's just the feel of holding my daughter's hand because it's just so small yeah. and so sweet. And I know that she won't always want to hold my hand. Or it's, you know, seeing my son sometimes sneaks into her bed and cuddles her at nighttime or they read a little book together. And are they like that all the time? Absolutely not. But when they are, it's so sweet. And I want to remember this time in my life for all of those little mm-hmm. moments, not that you know, I just agonized about what a terrible mom I was and that I wasn't enjoying it enough. Yep. And um, Glennon Doyle Melton on her Momastery blog, she has this great post um, called Carpa Kairos or Carp Diem. Anyways, she talks about this woman who saw her in a grocery store and just kept saying, as many people do when you have little kids, just enjoy every moment. You know, it goes by so fast. Enjoy every moment. And she talks about this metaphor of climbing Mount Everest and how would you feel as a climber if someone just kept saying to you, enjoy every moment, you know, this, this time is going to be over so quickly. You'd, you'd just say, leave me alone. You know, you have these moments where you get to a beautiful lookout and you look down over the mm-hmm. valley and you see how far you've come. Or, you know, you, you just have these little moments of gratitude. But it's hard work. Mm. And having this guilt feeling as a mom that you should be enjoying every single poopy yeah. crying moment is every so, meltdown is so, so special detrimental it because really it just increases that shame that mums feel mm-hmm. and i love how Brene brown differentiates guilt and shame that shame is this feeling that i'm not enough i'm not a good enough mom i'm not a good enough um professional or i'm not good enough in all these different ways and then guilt is this feeling that I'm not really living in connection with my values Mm. and guilt can motivate us to strive to be better. The guilt isn't a bad thing because it's, I did something that didn't resonate with my values, but it's not, I am Um, bad. Yes, I did something bad. And I think, um, looking at it through that perspective has really helped me because sometimes when you say to someone, you need to be kinder to yourself, you think, well, I'm not going to be able to strive and get better from always saying that's okay. No big deal. Yeah. But it's, kind of identifying your values and saying, you know what, I don't want to yell at my kids, so what am I going to do differently next time? Um, But 
everybody makes mistakes and I'm just going to move on. I'm Mm going to try harder tomorrow. I'm going to try something different tomorrow. And I try and really teach that to my kids too, that everyone makes a mistake. We'll just, what will we do differently next time? And, but I love that. She talks about the, coming back to that carp DM thing, that we don't have to enjoy every moment, but just, she talks about um, carpa kairos because kairos is kind of this God time where time just stands still. Like that time when you, look in your kid's eyes and you're like, wow, I'm just really seeing them right Mm. now. I'm just in their presence and I'm really present in this moment. And those are the moments that you want to really focus on and spend your energy trying to remember. And um, so I try and think of those before I go to bed at night. And it helps me to just balance Mm -hmm. out my feeling about a day. Because that's something that we can do. You mm-hmm. know, we can make that shift. We can choose to focus on the mm-hmm. bad moments or we can choose to focus on those, those just those pockets mm-hmm. of, you know, special. Like you said, it could be something as simple as holding someone's right. hand or a smile right. or, you know, putting your hand on your husband's shoulder before mm-hmm. you go to bed, whatever. Mm-hmm. They're really tiny things, but we can choose those. We can choose right. what to, to focus on. And I find that really kind of empowering mm-hmm. not necessarily easy to do sometimes no. sometimes like I like to my pity party <laughs> right and and you need to do that too you need to sometimes speak those not feel like you can't yes. ever feel bad about it you need to find someone that you can talk to about that and usually Vince, it's my husband yeah. <laughs> I'm like I was a terrible mom today and I yelled at the kids and um you know or a plethora of things yes. that I could be saying on the phone or have you know Two really close girlfriends. That's another thing I found as I get older. Older is simplifying hmm. your social circle. Mm-hmm. That you just don't have time to be friends with a lot of people, but you cultivate these really strong yep. relationships with a few people, and that's enough. Yeah, I don't need to have. I've never been a lots of friends person, but um, just to have a few people that I can call on those days and say, you know, I'm just feeling really awful, and to have an empathetic ear. Yeah, is really nice. Yeah, it's not about. Um kind of blurring all the bad bits and pretending they don't exist. Right. You know, I think it's important mm-hmm. um, because otherwise you just get a bit demented. Right. <laughs> you go, no, that right. didn't happen. That yeah. wasn't something no, that ever everything's happened. Everything's fine, always. <laughs> yeah. And then, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like when I'd probably turn to alcohol. <laughs> and I think that's where mindfulness I found is so interesting is just, you know, laying out, I think it's John Kabat-Zinn says, laying out the welcome mat for whatever's there. Mm. High anger. Yeah, yes. High yeah. gratitude. You know, here you are yeah. and I see you there. And um, I'm not judging. I'm going to be kind to myself and just allow myself to feel what I feel and talk to someone if I need to. But generally, um, just not get really caught up in, especially the negative mm-hmm. emotions that can tend to put you into a tailspin yes. that lasts a few days or longer. So it tends to happen to me if I don't let myself feel my feelings. Mm-hmm. Just feel like feel the feelings mm-hmm. and then move on to the next feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, I yeah, it's something I never used to do. I used mm-hmm. to rail against my feelings mm-hmm. and kind of hold them off. But now I'm like, well, this is going to keep me in, you know, not a great headspace for a minute and then I can move beyond it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a, a really valuable thing to learn. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of adds a whole other element to to this kind of way of life. Um, so you'd mentioned it before, and I want to talk to you a bit about it. Your husband has started his own business mm-hmm. recently. So Ben and I are in kind of a very similar right. situation. <laughs> um, 
can you tell me how has that been for you guys? Um, you know, the self-employed life is very different. Mm-hmm. How is it and how does it kind of play into this simplifying life and living in a more kind of intentional mm-hmm. way? Well, it feels like another step towards living in alignment with our values. And I feel like just every little experiment or step that we've taken has been in the right direction. So it felt like a step in the right direction. Um, it was not an easy decision to make to go from five day a week, full time, you know, you get this paycheck every week and yeah. it's this amount and we compare bills to deciding to go on his own and start his own business. But I had been not so gently encouraging him for many <laughs> years to do it because I just had this feeling that it would fit with our family and it would mm. fit with him and we'd have this sense of ownership. I I definitely thought it was me a lot easier than mm-hmm. it is. Um, I thought, well, I'll do the marketing and the accounting and you do the work. And um, he works in the trades and um, installs furnaces and air conditioners. And he's great at what he does. And I knew that once he met customers, they would hire him yeah. because he just is very personable. But then we started the company. And it's like, okay, well, we need to find some customers. <laughs> so that's kind of just getting your name out there has been something that we're learning to do. Um, learning to shut down and turn off mm-hmm. um, the email, turn off the phone is something we're still working on. Um, weeks don't necessarily look the same. Sometimes yep. he's working on the weekends, but um, my son goes to school just two days a week and then every other Friday. So just being able to drive him to school and we have this really beautiful drive through a bit of farmland and we often see bald eagles and all sorts of wildlife. So to be able to share that 10 minutes um, each way together has been really nice to start our days together and the kids get to see him every morning. He used to leave really early in the morning and come home later at night. So we have a lot more family time, but what we've realized is that simpler living in alignment with your values doesn't always mean easier. Mm. It's not easier than him working full time in some ways, because we are on, we're doing all of the jobs of many people at a company we're ordering the parts and we're doing the invoicing and we're doing all the payment and the accounting and um it's a lot of work yeah but at the end of the day he's so much happier Mm. i'm so much happier our kids are happier we're able to take days off in the middle of the week if we can work it out so that we can spend time in the mountains or um just spend the day together and um to have that flexibility is really nice but yeah, it's definitely not as easy. I, mm-hmm. I had this idea in my mind of how easy it would be. <laughs> it's not as easy. There's lots of com- complexities, but um, it, it feels like the right choice. Yeah. And we both talked about how even if this fails and just flops, um, we took a chance mm-hmm. and we did something that we felt really strongly would be a good move for our family. And even if it doesn't work out, we will be so happy that we tried it out. Yeah. And thankfully, in, in the trades, there's always work. People always need warm houses or mm-hmm. cool houses or hot water to take showers in. So we never worry that he won't have work. But it's just trying out his own thing that has been a big experiment for us. But yeah. um, it's going pretty well so far. We're about six six months four months in okay i don't even know yeah it feels a lot a lot longer <laughs> but um it's, it's, it's a so compromise far. isn't it i mean it's it it's is. it's just 
again, realigning to what is important to you, your mm-hmm. priorities, your values. Mm-hmm. And some things are invariably going to be tougher, mm-hmm. but the benefits there outweigh them. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we feel very much the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're, it must have been about the same time, mm-hmm. really, because we're a few months into it now. Um, and the, the benefits of having been around in the morning, mm-hmm. not every morning, but some mornings, or, you know, around for dinner. And mm-hmm. he's helping in the kids' classrooms mm-hmm. when he can. And that was just never, ever going to happen. You know, right. he coaches soccer team and things like that. He, that just would never happen when he was working for his old employer. Mm-hmm. employer. So, um, but, you know, there are nights and there are weekends where he works or, you know, there are times where we're very kind of under the pump mm-hmm. um, and it's, fine it is what it is but Mm -hmm. it's that compromise and when you can feel like that was that was a good move in Mm -hmm. spite of the fact that these these other things are more difficult Mm -hmm. I feel like that's when you know you've made a a decision Mm -hmm. or taken a risk or tried something based on what's important I think it helps too with that day-to-day judging of how things are or just looking at the bigger picture so day-to-day I could say one day this was a terrible decision (laughs) and another day this was a great decision but if I look at the bigger picture yeah it was a good decision. So it helps move us out of this moment by moment judging of how things are going and yeah. just look at the big picture a lot more often, um, which I think is good in lots of ways. It's so helpful to mm-hmm. be able to do that, to step back and mm-hmm. say, well, today, like not so much, <laughs> yeah. but the last six months, absolutely. Right. Like, good choice. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's really important, mm-hmm. really important. It's something that I've, I'm still learning to do mm-hmm. because I think you can very easily – prescribe yourself this label of a bad person or a bad parent Mm -hmm. or a bad wife or a bad friend um no you just Mm -hmm. maybe didn't have a great day right yeah um to be able to to do that is is awesome um i feel like i could talk to you for hours seriously (laughs) i know this is i'm I'm looking at my clock going wow how long have we been talking for but thank you so much for for coming and meeting us and um, talking to us and sharing a bit of your story. I know you you do have a blog, mm-hmm. um, project dot com, mm-hmm. and you're same on Instagram. Yep. And I would highly recommend that you guys check it out because you've got some really beautiful things written there. Thank and you. I loved the story that you shared. Like you really went into your um, you know your decision to make these changes and mm-hmm. what that's looked like for you. So you. Um, go check it out. But thanks, Morgan. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to meet you in you person. Too. Too. <laughs> Much cooler than Skyping. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) This has been another episode of the Slow Home Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe via iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening. Jack Rabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, podcast.